Do you have a side project? A project that motivates you through hard days and inspires you through the good ones? I love side projects. They are a way to help free our souls, to chase what excites us. For me, my side projects help to discover new things about who I am and how I fit into the world around me. Sometimes they fizzle out and disperse into the ether, never to be seen by us or anyone else again. But sometimes, sometimes these side projects can be life-changing. I think everyone has at least one side project that alters their life in an unexpected and fantastic way. And today, I'd like to share with you a couple side projects from a research lab. Hi, I'm Tess, one of the hosts and producers of the MPMI Microgreens podcast. We aim to tell stories of plants, microbes, and the people who study them. Last episode, I talked to Dr. Jennifer Lewis at UC Berkeley about her comparative genomics project to find new ways to combat the devastating citrus pathogen Huanglongbing. But this is not the main research project of her lab. This fascinating research came from a side project. I was intrigued by this idea that this side project could have such an impact. The side project spirited a collaboration across the country. It gained recognition and interest from the scientific community at large. It even gave the world new knowledge we previously didn't have. So during my chat with Dr. Jennifer Lewis, I wanted to ask her about this side project. How are they chosen? When do they stop? What role do they play in the overall research of the lab? But first, I wanted to know what side projects does Dr. Jennifer Lewis have outside of the lab? Um, Lately, I have been, I took up playing the piano again. I used to play when I was in grade school and high school. So we recently got a keyboard and I've been doing that for stress reduction. Oh, that's fun. I stopped playing the piano during my PhD, but since moving back to where my family is, I was able to pick up my piano too. And that's been, it's been a great time playing that again. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that it's hard as, you know, they take up so much space. So we got a piano, like it's a keyboard with a piano feel and it has actually amazing sound and it feels like playing the piano. So it makes it much easier to keep playing like that. I have the same issue, you know, no piano in undergrad or grad school or postdoc. So it's been a long time. I think a lot of times as researchers or as PhD students, we kind of have this one project and we think this is going to be the thing that makes us famous or gets us in science or whatever. But it's oftentimes like side projects that are are fueled by passion and can have a lot of impact. So I was wondering if you could just explain a little bit as to where this side project came from. What was its origins? Yeah, so the citrus greening disease is really a huge problem in Florida, said. So they have about a 75% reduction compared to 15 years ago. It's really hard to do typical microbiology or molecular biology with it because you can't actually grow it in the lab. And so when I first heard about this problem, I thought that molecular plant pathology might actually be pertinent here because If we use comparative genomics, then we could try to just use the genome information to figure out parts of the the pathogen that might actually elicit an immune response in the plant. And so that was really 
genesis for the project. So if HLB and the Comparative Genomics Project is a side project of the lab, what is the Lewis's lab main research question? Uh, so we, we generally still work on the plant immune response. We, we typically work on a different bacteria called Pseudomonas syringae. And this is a very well-characterized pathogen that can cause disease in more than 100 different plant species. Not every researcher will chase side projects. And quite frankly, not every side project deserves to be chased. There are infinite possibilities, and you can easily be caught being pulled so many directions you never move forward. But there can be hidden gems, like the peptides found in the HLB project. This requires a little bit of strategy to stay focused. I've always had kind of broad interests. And so even when I was a postdoc, I had a lot of different projects going simultaneously. And then, you know, when things were working, which they often did, then I would, you know, keep working on that until it finished off. And so I've I've kind of continued that approach in my own lab, encouraging people to have a main project and also some kind of a a side project that they are particularly interested in following, because I think, you know, that kind of research can lead you into a new direction and really interesting findings. But how are these side projects chosen? Yeah, so sometimes it depends on the question. So in the case of this citrus project, it came from trying to address the problem with a different strategy. So that one came from I guess, more of an intellectual standpoint. But some of the side projects happen because we have some interesting observation that we think is unique. It hasn't been reported before. And we think that that could be, you know, something really interesting to follow up on. Many times the side projects actually come from observations that we've made that are are really unique literature from what we can tell. So here's a science secret for you. Science is mostly failing. The purpose of science is discovery. And with that comes countless weeks, months, years of failing, just to get a sliver of data that moves you forward. The odds are any science project will fail. So when do you stop? How do you know if your side project is failing because you haven't figured it out yet, or that your hypothesis is wrong and you should move in a different direction? So when to stop? Well, if, you know, the data is coming together, you know, as we think, you know, in a story that makes sense, then we would keep working. But if it seems like, you know, it was a a kind of a random observation, we might stop the project at that point. The Lewis Lab currently has three to four side projects going on right now. Yeah, so we do have one that we're particularly interested in. Uh, We have this resistance phenotype that we've seen in wild tomato against Pseudomonas ringae. And so this is one that is working really well. It's not really ready for prime time yet, but yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting side project. Is that something that you've discovered with kind of genomics approach or more in greenhouse work? So it was, we actually saw this, uh, so a lot of our plants we grow in the growth chambers. We saw this phenotype when we were inoculating wild tomato with particular strains of Pseudomonas ringae, and we've found that it's very reproducible phenotype, kind of all of the experiments we've done have confirmed that. 
And now we're trying to understand more about recognized in the bacteria and what and what in the plant is responsible for recognition. I am personally excited to see the future direction of this research and where comparative genomics can take the field of plant pathology. But before we leave the Lewis lab, I have one more story I want to share with you. When I saw Jennifer's talk, her last slide had diversity, equity, inclusion equals excellence in giant letters, D-E-I. These letters have been thrown around in academia they're not always taken seriously. I wanted to know what she really meant by this. How did DEI impact her research? And did her lab members hold the same notion? Join me next time to find out how Dr. Jennifer Lewis practices and promotes DEI in her lab and what it means to the rest of her research team. Thanks for listening to the Microgreens podcast from MPMI. You can find past and future episodes on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. I hope you will join us for our next episode, which if you don't want to miss, hit subscribe or follow on your podcast app. Also, feel free to connect with us on Twitter at MPMI Microgreens, or you can find me on my other podcast, The Micro Moment. I'd like to thank Jennifer Lewis for all of her time in the making of this podcast, as well as Blue Dot Sessions for the music. The Microgreens logo was created by Celeste Han. I'd also like to thank Raka Mitra, Jean Harris, and Ashley Carlin for giving me the opportunity to share the story with you.